0: Well, let's uh, open our Bibles to uh, the book of Mark. We are back in the book of Mark, chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, maybe you forgot it at home, that's cool. You can follow along with us on the Bible app, or you'll notice that uh, some of our ushers are coming around. We have some physical Bibles. If you just just go ahead and get their attention, Uh, we'd love to give you a copy that we want you to have. Uh, the Bible in front of you so you can read it for yourself. If you don't own a copy, uh, would you just take that one with you? It is our gift to you. We want you to have it. We love studying God's Word. We're back in Mark. We're actually going to finish chapter four uh, this morning, and I just want to recap. The book of Mark is answering two major questions. The first is, who is Jesus? Who is this guy? In fact, the, the very last verse of, uh, of chapter 4, we're going to see the disciples are asking that question. They say, well, when, well, then who then is this guy, Jesus? And Mark has already made his claim, who he thinks Jesus is. He said that at the very beginning, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, he said this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's the Christ, the King, the Messiah, the Son of God. And so this story that we're going to look at this morning is actually going to emphasize that. That Jesus really is God. We're going to see his divinity here this morning. And the second question that Mark is asking is, well, what then does it mean to be his disciple? And so I think that this is going to become a, a challenge this morning to his disciples on how you're supposed to respond when you're in a storm and Jesus, the Son of God, is with you. Um, I'm going to tell you about the first major storm that I went through in my life. And I'm not talking about like, like a physical weather storm, okay? Like I grew up in Ohio. We had a whole bunch of tornadoes. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when I was in fourth grade, uh, we had a family friend from church come to pick up my, my brother and my younger brother and my younger sister and myself from school which was really weird, and we found out that the reason that someone else was picking us up that day was because my dad had been in a major accident. My dad was a, uh, a music pastor, and um, I know this sounds super dangerous, but he was, uh, he was actually changing a light bulb at the top of a 20-foot ladder in our auditorium, and he was all by himself, and somehow the ladder fell, and his arms got caught, and he uh, fell onto the pews. In fact, he cracked a wooden pew with his face and uh, like yeah it was, it was pretty serious and and the doctors were like they told us like man if he had just lifted his head just a little bit he probably would have been killed instantly and yet somehow he survived and he and he came home and and he kind of looked like a mummy okay like he's wrapped up like crazy and so because he survived we were kind of able to laugh about it but then a, 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 just one year later when I was in fifth grade I remember Uh, We stayed home from church one night on on a Wednesday night, which is not normal, okay? Like, the pastor got to be there. We're there all the time. And and, um, I remember my mom and dad uh, called us into the TV room and told us that dad had cancer. I just remember, like, I don't know if my uh, younger siblings, like, really understood what was going on, but I remember... Freaking out like like this 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 was just like uh, so scary. It was almost I don't know if, if you've ever felt this way. You're numb and, and it's almost like the world just stops. Have you ever felt that? And and, and um, I, I remember I don't even know why I remember this, but I remember just staring at the wallpaper in our TV room. I was almost in shock. You ever felt that? And for for the next like year actually the next couple of years I was praying constantly that God would not let my dad die and 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 he had some surgery and um you know every he was doing well and and but you had to go back for your 6 months checkup all the time and so every 6 months we had to go back through and all this 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 fear and anxiety would would well back up in me and i remember laying awake at night and it was almost like paralyzing just like worried and 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 and, and the unknowns and the the what ifs and the and, and, and the what mights and and thankfully god didn't let my dad die then and since that time i have personally gone through Worse storms than that. But I tell you that one because when I was a kid, that rocked me. And I loved God. I I, I prayed. I, I was praying constantly. But even in the midst of that, my, my faith was really shaken. You ever been in a storm? You ever gone through something where maybe maybe you're going through it now or or, or you're just feeling like you're in the midst of chaos. And if you're not, it's likely that you probably will, maybe even soon. So The question for us is, what do you do? What do you do when you're in a storm? Well, I think the big idea of Mark chapter 4, if I can give you a big idea of this text, is this, listen, because God is both good and powerful. You can trust him in a storm. It's because he's both good and powerful that we can trust him. Can I show this to you? Here we are, Mark chapter 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 35. You can follow along with me as I read. Mark says, verse 35, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, you are the God who is in control and we see the power of your son. We see the authority that he has even over the physical world. Lord, we're, we're eager to hear a word from you this morning because I think all of us have felt this at times where life isn't going the way I hoped. and I'm in the middle of something that I don't want to be in and I don't know what to do. Lord, I'm praying that your word, you would be a a lighthouse to someone this morning. You would buoy their hearts, be an anchor for their soul. Remind us that you are good and powerful and impress that on us so that we trust you even in the midst of this. So I pray that you would speak to us this morning. The messenger is nothing. The message is everything. We give you praise for what you're going to do even now in these moments. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, let me give you two, two things you can do when you're in a storm. Two things. Note this. Uh, take comfort in his goodness. First thing you can do is take comfort in his goodness, okay? I hope you can see that. Uh, Mark is trying to get us back into the action. That, that, that's his bread and butter, okay? We, we had this extended section of teaching where Jesus is giving these parables and, and now he, he, lo- he loves to keep things moving, okay? So Mark's getting us back into the action and gives us this setting, verse 35. He says, on that day. You say, well, which day is it? Well, if you remember back at the beginning of chapter 4, Jesus was out teaching, And the crowds of people are coming to him, and it got so crazy at one point that that while the crowds are up here on the shore, Jesus literally had to get into a boat. And one commentator said it was like his floating pulpit. I love that. He had this beautiful stage that he's on, and you could just picture everybody's out here on the shore, and he's in the boat, and he's teaching them. Well, apparently, that's where we're picking up right here. And and, um, this story of Jesus calming the storm we find this story actually in three different Gospels. We, we see uh, Matthew has his version of this in Matthew chapter 8, and Luke also tells us this story in Luke chapter 8. But Mark includes some details that the others don't, which I got to tell you is not very typical, okay? That's not usual for Mark. Mark is not like your friend who can't tell a story without too many details. You all have a friend like that? Like you, you, love, you love hearing the stories, but you'd rather somebody else tell the story. Mark's the guy you want telling the story because he keeps these things moving. But when he does add detail, it kind of adds some color. But if we're honest, some of the details that we just got here are, are kind of unnecessary, they're the kind of details that you only know if you were actually there. It's like when you start telling a story and you're like, hey, you remember that one time? And, and, and yeah, you were wearing a blue dress and, and, and it was, I don't know, it was like 4.30. Actually, it was probably more like 5 o'clock, whatever. It's those kind of details. You say, wait a minute, like Mark wasn't there. Like how did he know? Well, remember that, that Mark is likely the person that we know as John Mark in the book of Acts. And John Mark collected and wrote down one of the disciples' eyewitness account. Do you remember which disciple it was? Well, somebody help me. It was Peter. And so, what we're, what we're reading is really probably Peter's eyewitness account of Jesus' life and ministry. It's his version of this. And so, so these details actually show us some authenticity. You, you can just imagine that, that Peter is telling the story, and certain things stood out to him. Like the time of day. Verse 35 tells us that it was when evening had come. And then they took Jesus with them in the boat just as he was and so he's remembering that that jesus is out and and he's in the boat preaching and he finishes preaching and it's getting dark outside and he doesn't even leave the boat they start going to the other side and he says there were there were some other boats i remember and 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 then uh, he gives us this curious detail here in verse 38 while the storm is happening all around them jesus it says was asleep on the cushion that word cushion is that's the only time this is used in the entire new testament why do we need to know that Jesus was asleep on a cushion? Well, I think it's, it's probably because this event was so terrifying that that detail was burned in Peter's memory. Kind of like I just told you that I, I remember uh, staring at the wallpaper when I found out that my dad had cancer on a Wednesday night before church. You didn't need all of those details, but that just stood out in my memory. And so I think it's fair to say that this storm rocked the disciples to the core. They're freaking out. Why? Well, look at the details. Verse 37, it's a a great, windstorm, okay, so, so that's kind of like a, a violent hurricane, and, and the waves are breaking into the boat. The boat's filling. You can just picture them trying to, like, scoop water out, and, and this isn't like, hey, I think we're in trouble. This is, man, this is crazy. We're gonna die. That's what they're feeling in this moment. Have you, ever, have you ever been out on the water in a storm? Has anybody ever experienced this? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, a few of you have. This happened to us last year. As a family, uh, we decided to take a day trip to Annapolis. You ever been to Annapolis? It's beautiful over there. Like we we were hanging out down by the harbor, and, and uh, it was an awesome day. We got a little seafood, and, and it was beautiful. And we decided we were gonna take one of those Uh, cheap, short little cruise things on the, you know, like the double decker boats that they have and and you can go around and see the Naval Academy. It was really cool. Well, no sooner had we gotten out into open water than boom, the storm just comes out of nowhere and it's going crazy and the water's going insane. And if you've ever been out on the water in those moments, you realize like the rain is going sideways. You know what I'm talking about? So we're like all scooting back in the lower deck because we don't want to get drenched by this and, and it's just insane for a moment. Carissa is not a fan. She's not having a good time. I got to be honest, I thought it was kind of cool. Mostly because I noticed that nobody else on the boat that, that, that are workers, nobody else seems to be freaking out. And I'm like, well, they do this for a living. I mean, they, so, so they must have been through this before. Apparently, this is normal. And as long as they're okay, we must be all right. But we'll think about this. Peter and Andrew and James and John we're professional fishermen. And they're not on the boat all the time. They've been through storms like this. And so when they are freaking out, you know, something is extremely wrong. The waves are crashing in. We're, I mean, this thing's going to sink. We're about to get thrown overboard. And, and I've told you before, that's like my greatest fear in life, is being out in the middle of the water, in the ocean or the sea or whatever. Because I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but um, some of the freakiest creatures that God has ever made live underwater. You know that? And the problem is if you get thrown overboard and you're swimming for the top, you can't see any of them, but they can see you, right? Jesus, take me now. Like, I don't want to be part of this. And I don't know how the disciples are handling this, but if you look over and the professional fishermen are as white as ghosts, I'm not handling this very well. Maybe maybe you're not going through a physical storm, but you're going through it right now. And it can mess you up. Or you have to deal with something that's scary or even potentially life-threatening. Or maybe it's just really painful right now. And you feel vulnerable and you feel alone and you feel weak, you feel powerless. Maybe, maybe it's a doctor's diagnosis. Or maybe it's that you know you probably need to go see the doctor, but you're afraid of what she's going to say because you looked it up on WebMD and now you're really freaking out. Or maybe it's, you're suffocating under a growing pile of bills. Maybe you lost that sense of security you had in your portfolio this week. Maybe you're feeling some instability at work. Or maybe, maybe you caught your spouse hiding something. Or or maybe the two of you just feel like you're just constantly at it. You're just at it. You're like at this battle, or maybe maybe a loved one, somebody that's really really close to you is 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 hurting you deeply with their words or their actions. Maybe you're maybe you're being uprooted and facing changes that you didn't ask for. Whatever it is, you feel like you're in a you're in a storm right now. And in those moments, you feel like, man, unless something changes, I'm not sure how much longer I can survive this. And I think the disciples, they're wrestling with what they've heard Jesus say about who he is and what he's currently doing. Because what's he doing, verse 38? What's Jesus doing? He's sleeping. The great irony in this is that the only time that we ever read that Jesus is sleeping is in a storm. And I don't think that's because he's just a really deep sleeper, or somebody slipped him a Tylenol PM. See, there. the disciples have seen him cast out demons. They've seen him heal sick people. So if anybody can do something, he can. But he's laying down on the job. Why doesn't he get up and do something? And, and so they're freaking out, and they're scared, and, and they feel alone. And in their insecurity, they scream out the question that maybe all of us in our unfiltered honesty of our hearts really want to ask god in those moments do you not care god do you do you not care about what i am going through do you not care about me and the idea of uh, the, the the word there care means to to show concern or or to take interest not just to notice something but to really pay attention like like how if you're traveling you hope that air traffic control is not just watching planes on a screen with a bucket of popcorn for entertainment, but they're really paying attention. They're watching with concern to make sure that each plane lands safely. That's the kind of concern that we want to see. And all of us have heard and we have the sense that God is up in heaven and he can see everything. And so when something bad happens in my life, I want to, God, do you see this? Do you do you care uh, does this concern you I want to know that somebody cares about me and about what's going on in my life And so I think what's really happening the disciples listen listen the disciples are questioning his character This is what we sometimes Do with God in those moments. Are you going to keep watching? Or are you the kind of God who's going to step outside of the vending machine when I really need you? I'm going to be hitting 911 and nobody's answering. Or worse, are you the kind of God that could see this and, and you just let it happen because you don't care? Just recently, there's been so much vitriol and I think justifiably directed at those in positions of authority at Michigan State University who might have allowed concerns and accusations of a sexual predator to go unchecked. Now, we don't know all that happened, but we're infuriated with the possibility that somebody could know about injustice and suffering And not care. So is God negligent and uncaring? Does he concern himself with the things that we're going through? Does, Does he have any compassion in this? So Mark's been asking this question who is Jesus? Who is this guy? And I think now the disciples are starting to doubt his character. Is he? Is he really good? Sometimes we're in a storm that's not always the direct consequence of our sin, right? I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes we're in the middle of something we know, like, okay, I brought this on myself, and other times we're not. But even in the midst of those things, we, we have this longing to know that that somebody loves and cares for us. But when we doubt and question God's goodness, it really betrays our unbelieving hearts. And it ought to be a reminder for us that we have forgotten the gospel. That's not true of God. Lead us to repentance and and a humble gratitude. Because how could I look at my Savior, bloodied and beaten and bruised, hanging on a cross he didn't deserve, who died in my place, and ever doubt his goodness and concern for me again so watch 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 what he does in verse 39 actually notice what doesn't happen i'm i'm kind of impressed that jesus doesn't get up and and call them out and and defend himself like like how how dare you call me uncare? i mean the dude just went to take a nap and now you're getting up and you're attacking my character like i'll just be honest if this was me when somebody attacks my character and questions my character i get offended and, and i feel like like angry and i feel like i need to defend myself and, and prove them wrong and put them in their place that's not what jesus does honestly i think we see the the divine patience of jesus just another example of his goodness to us. Because the disciples, they don't fully know and understand who Jesus is. And they're not going to until after his death and his resurrection, until he gives them the Holy Spirit. But, but I think Peter remembers this moment in the storm. Quite honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if he was the one who said what everybody was thinking. Would that shock any of you that it was Peter who was the one who stepped forward and said, Do you not care? I think he remembers because that's the same exact word that Peter uses about 30 years later when he penned these words with confidence. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he said, Casting all your anxieties on him. Because, listen, He cares for you. He does care. He cares. And He's inviting you, if you trust Him because He's our Savior, He's inviting you to put your anxieties, put your cares on His shoulders, which have borne the weight of sin. And... When you're in a storm, I know we're looking for that. We're we're, we're looking for something like some sort of comfort and and, and reassurance. Can I just urge you, stop trying to find comfort and reassurance in anything else, in something, someone else that is not Jesus. That is sin, and it's only going to leave you disappointed. You're not going to find it in the escape of a substance. You're not going to drown it out with Netflix. You're not going to stuff it in self-reliance. I realize there may be some people here who don't feel comfortable. They don't want to tell you that they're going through a storm or they don't want to tell you how bad it really is. And, and, and listen, we can tell the church and yes, God uses other believers to encourage us but don't ask anyone else to be your ultimate source of comfort. Not your spouse, not a boyfriend, not your mom. Don't turn to anybody else. There is no one else who cares for you like Jesus does. He cares. And so, yeah, you come and you tell us what's going on. And in the church, we're going to embrace you. But we're going to point your eyes upward. We're going to say, you can, you can turn to him because he cares. You know why? Because he's good. So you can take comfort that he is good. Let me give you the second thing you can do. When you're in a storm, note this. Stand in awe of his power. Stand in awe of his power. Look look, look, look what he does. Verse 39, He, he gets up and he doesn't go at the disciples. Instead, he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea. I just want you to notice that he is commanding and talking to inanimate objects. That's kind of weird. Like they can hear, right? In fact, the disciples almost hint at this, verse 41. They say, uh, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The Greek word there is hupakuo. We've, we've learned akuo, that, that, that means like where we get our word acoustic, it means to hear, to listen. Hoopo means under. And, and so uh, to listen and submit, it means the wind and the sea is coming under submission to the command of Christ. And, and if we think about it for just a minute, that should seem pretty familiar to us. We've seen that before. In fact, in in one of his essays on miracles, C.S. Lewis talked about Jesus' miracles, and he said this, Jesus' miracles, in fact, are a retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the whole world in letters too large for some of us to see. This miracle is a little echo of the awesome miracle of creation when God spoke the world into the existence let there be and by the word of his mouth he created these elements from nothing and he has never taken his hands off of the wheel And still in his sovereignty, he is directing the howling winds and he gathers storm clouds and he calms raging waves. In fact, Psalm 135 says, he it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. Psalm 148, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word psalm 107 for he commanded and raised the stormy wind which which lifted up the waves of the sea verse 29 he made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. so god does that and so when jesus steps forward in verse 39 and says peace i know that that command was directed at the sea but it might as well have also been for the disciples in that moment he says be still That has the idea of of, of silencing by putting a muzzle on it. Like who's really in control here? And, And it says that the wind ceased and there was a great calm. So this miraculous anomaly in the weather that the disciples just witnessed is just a sped up version of what God always does. Jesus calms the storm right before their very eyes, almost like a like a like a time lapse of his creation. Proof of who he really is. Because as one commentator said, Jesus does what only God can do. Can you like imagine being there in that moment? Can can you picture? Because we could like think about it just for a little we, we can We can picture in our minds what you know like a peaceful water and you you see like a glassy sea and everything's really still and, and and you know we've got a boat there so maybe maybe there's like a a gentle little ripple that's kind of floating away slowly where, where like two seconds ago it was mass chaos and, and, and to see all of that in just one moment so let, let, let's do a little re- reenactment can we do that can we all be the disciples for just a minute? So I want you to help me out because I want you to put yourself in their shoes and maybe this will help you feel what they were feeling, okay? So everybody right now, I want you to give me your best shocked face. Go ahead, give me your best shocked face. You feel that? What was that? What What just happened? I wonder sometimes what we expect when we poke the God of the universe with our requests and cries for help. But Jesus, I love what he says. He says, why, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? See, there's the challenge. Do you know that your anxiousness, your, your worry, when you lay awake at night and you're wrestling with the unknowns and the what-ifs and you think about all those things and you're dwelling on them and now you can't sleep and you're, you're freaking out and, and your fear over the circumstances that you are facing, no matter how threatening or painful or scary they might be, it is an indication that you don't know the God that we worship. And it's actually making the sinful decision to believe that your storm is bigger than the God of the universe and he can't handle it. Is that true? But but listen, even though maybe we have some unbelief and things that I need to repent of before the Lord, I love it, we have a patient Savior who's just inviting us to believe in him. I think this demonstration from Jesus ought to just drop us to our knees. Are you going through a storm right now? Do you feel that? Are you in Are you in pain? Are you hurting? Are you scared? Do you feel like your world is in chaos? Are you suffering under injustice? In those moments that we want to know that you are loved and that you are cared for. But i got to tell you, it gets so much better than that. Because we don't just need sympathy and comfort. Think about this. If one of my kids comes and he and then and falls and, and hurts uh, themselves, I can run to them in that moment, and, and I can pick them up, and I can embrace them, and I can kiss them, and I can reassure them, but I can't make the pain go away. And if, God forbid, they're ever really in trouble, I can't fix it. And so it's one thing to know that God does care. And yes, that's encouraging. Yes, that is comforting. But it is quite another to know that not only does he care about the storm that I'm in, but he is the one who has the power and the authority to do something about it. Let that challenge your faith. Let that just encourage your heart here. There is no reason for me to freak out when life isn't going the way I want it to. Or or when, when when my greatest fear is realized. And we all have that scenario or that tragedy that we're praying that God never lets us go through. But even in that, Jesus has proven he has power over the physical and the natural world. With just a word, he can calm the storms and and he can heal diseases. And he's also proven that he has power over the supernatural world, casting out demonic forces. Nothing can stand in, in front of the power of Jesus. So what in the world do we have to be afraid of? What, what are you afraid of? Well, I'll tell you what we should fear. Look at verse 41. The disciples in that moment, their mouths, they looked a lot like you. They were filled with great fear. And they're not afraid anymore of a little bitty temporary storm. Jesus is over that. They know that. And this more literally would be read, uh, they they feared a great fear. Man, they are standing in Awe of his power. Wow. And they say, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey? That's the question that they leave to us. Who is this Jesus? Because in, in just a few breathtaking verses, Mark has highlighted for us that he is both good and he is powerful. And the incredible combination of those two truths of his character means that we can trust him. I had more than one conversation this week with people who are in the midst of storms. Going through it. I know it's there. And I can't tell you how many times I've had to listen to people as they're pouring out the painful details of the trials and the storms that they find themselves in. And i got to be honest, like sometimes some of the things that people are going through is so awful, it just doesn't seem like there's any light at the end of the tunnel. And if I didn't know Jesus, I wouldn't have a clue what to say. And if you've ever been in that position where you're trying to comfort somebody like that, then you know, you feel like, I, I am helpless in this moment, but I am not without hope because I know somebody who has the ability to help you. We need somebody who operates in a position of power and authority. So, so this story is just another reminder of the the magnitude of Jesus' power. And and, and let's be honest, it is such that it should unnerve us. It should freak us out a little. We, should, we have a right to feel small and overwhelmed with a sense of, of reverence and awe. But can I tell you, the great comfort of the gospel, somebody here needs to hear this this morning, is that Jesus does not wield that great power for evil. He doesn't. Like somebody that powerful, you don't have to be afraid. It's not terror. We just finished rereading the first of the Chronicles of Narnia uh, to my kids. Um, JC's old enough now, and so, you know, we're kind of going back. I know I'm a nerd, so we're going back through it. And I love reading these stories with them. I love telling them about Aslan, the Christ figure, because in the stories, when, whenever somebody hears the word Aslan, they want to meet him, they want, we want to meet him. And then when one of the children, when the children find out that Aslan is actually a lion, one of the kids blurts out, oh, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous meeting a lion. To which Mr. Beaver replies, Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. Yes, Jesus is powerful. And yet he has demonstrated his love For us ultimately on the cross so that we can know that he is good we can trust him that he is going to set all things right again see the great hope of the gospel story my story and, and yours if you would believe in him is that it ends in glory that this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison listen listen It does not end in this storm. One author said, he's the one who makes everything sad come untrue. He is the one who calms our storms and gives us hope all because he is kind and gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness and he works righteousness, and justice for all who are oppressed. Why? Because He's good. So when you're in a storm, you're going through it, because He has proven to you that He is both good and powerful, you can trust Him. You're not going to find that anywhere else. There's nobody like Jesus. Father, I pray that you would impress these truths upon our hearts that we would want to know you that we would want to trust you. I'm not naive that somebody here is hurting, somebody's in pain, somebody here is feeling a little like their life is in chaos and needs to be reminded of not only your goodness, but the fact that you are powerful and that you can do something about the storm that they're in right now. Lord, I I just pray that we would see the greatness of Christ and we'd put put our trust in you. Not in our circumstances, not in other people, but we love that you surround us with the body of Christ. We can comfort one another, we can encourage one another, but our ultimate source of comfort is you. I thank you that we can trust you, that you are always going to do what is right. Whatever you please, you do, and everything you do is good. So thank you that we have this great hope. The the resurrection reminds us that someday, I don't know how long this storm is going to last, but someday, you promise us. We're going to live with you forever in eternity with no more tears and no more pain. that you would comfort someone with that this morning. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for your love demonstrated for us. We give you praise Jesus. It's in your name we pray.